guys doing today? It is great to see you guys, man. We are packed today. Thank you for being here. Look around. This is awesome. Let's go. Great to see you. I want to say hello to all of our campuses. Thank you for being a part of our service today. I want to say hello to Rockport, Fulton, Padre Island, Portland, Texas now. Rodfield, Stone Oak, and online, and our prison ministry. Thanks for being a part of our services today. We're glad you guys are with us today. So thank you for joining us. I'm excited about today's message because it's practical. We're going to get into some practical stuff, and we're going to inspire you too with some great stories. But I really just want to get practical today because I know what it is to raise kids, and it can be crazy. And so I, I joke around with my, my wife. Now that my kids are out of the house, I'm like, now I'm an expert again. You know, that's the thing. You have to have some distance between your actual parents, and you feel like, no, now I know what I'm doing again, right? Because when you're in the thick of it, you feel like you're falling apart, right? I mean, it's so crazy trying to raise kids today. And so I just, I know the feeling. So the verse first I always start with is thou shalt not kill. You know what I mean? That's the first verse every time when you remember, right? And so it is crazy with kids, but how do you protect your children? It's a big thing today. And I know about you, but I never thought I'd have to protect my kids from things like the very school they go to. Like it never dawned on me that I'd have to be worried about what they're being taught, things like that. Uh, but that can be reality. It's not a reality everywhere. I don't want to suggest it is. And I also want to say that there are some amazing, godly Christian teachers, educators. In fact, right here in our church, can we give them a hand? There's some great ones. There really are. And so, but we do need to be aware that not everyone has a positive agenda for your children. Like you just have to know that what they're watching online, what they're seeing on TV, even and even in some of their curriculum that are being taught at different schools and colleges, it really is a big deal. So I want to unpack this. I want to give you four simple things today to do to protect your children. You guys ready to go? Because I'm ready to dive right in. You guys ready? Let's do it. So first thing's pretty simple. First Corinthians 11 says this: Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. First thing you got to know is kids don't listen to you. Have you figured that one out yet? You're like my kids don't listen to me, right? They don't because they're too busy watching you. So you can say, do this or do that, but if you're not doing it, they're not gonna do it. And so it's really important to understand that they're not listening to you, as you well know, they're watching you. So what you do really matters. So we wanna be an example and also be involved in our kids' daily lives. It's a huge thing to do. Uh, there was a young man, he was, he was an elementary school age, kids crying at night, frustrated, couldn't figure out math to save his life. And his, his father and mother would sit with him and work on things he couldn't do. It. Finally, his father said, you know, let's just stop and pray. Let's ask God to help you with math. So they prayed and it was as if he says, as, he was just, as if after the prayer was done, Pastor Billy told me, it was like my mind cleared and I began to understand stuff. I went to school the next day and made an A on my math test when I thought I was gonna fail it. He went on to get math honors after that. He went on after that to go to college and got a criminal justice degree. He's our own Pastor Zach. And so he struggled. But let me tell you something about Pastor Zach. I'm going to tell you, I know the secret of um, Pastor Zach, and that is he's got amazing parents that love the Lord and raised him in the Lord. What was so fun the other day, uh, I was actually sitting there, actually sitting here in the second row. They're amazing people. I was sitting close to, to Pastor Zach's father, and when Pastor Zach preached, all I heard was, I love my son. He's going to do so great. He just kept talking about him. I was like, what an amazing dad. I love that. Can we give it up for godly fathers and mothers who are plugged in? So... Let's get practical. How do you get plugged in with your kids? How do you stay involved? Now, I'm going to be honest with you that when, when we were raising our three kids, our, our youngest is now off at college. But I got to tell you this. Honestly, 
my wife is 10 times the parent I'll ever be. I and mean, let's, men, let's admit it, right? I mean, our wives are incredible at parenting and they kind of pull us in, right? So for me, I was vaguely aware there were three midgets in my house. That's all I knew. <laughs> but she knew exactly where they were. Don't send me your emails on the midget thing. I was just kidding. Is this a joke? But she knew exactly what, if I said it's 11 a.m., where are they? She'd be like, Mason's in this class, Cole's in this class, Sophie's in this class. She knew exactly what was going on all this. And I'm, I thank God for that. I really do. But she would get me plugged in and be like, hey, Bill, you need to engage here. I was like, okay, you're right, you're right, you're right. Helping out with homework, helping out with the kids, those kind of things. But I want to tell you right now, it, it, it's not easy. So to be involved in your kids' lives, it's going to take work. Because here's the truth. You could let Disney Channel raise them if you wanted to. But God did not intend for Disney Channel or YouTube to raise your kids. So putting a device in front of them is not enough, especially when you can't even trust what's on that device anymore. So we have to think about those kinds of things. Here's another thing parents, we need to be paying attention to. We learned this through COVID. All of a sudden, all the kids had to come home and, and, and do school through Zoom. And all of a sudden parents started going, hey, what are y'all talking about? What are they teaching you? See, we weren't in the classroom to hear it. And now we realize, oh my goodness, there's teaching some stuff that we don't want our kids to, to know, this isn't education, this is an agenda. And again, not every school's this way, not every teacher's this way, but the only way for you to know whether your kid's being protected is for you to get involved and know that teacher. You need to know their, whether they're a person of faith or not, know where they stand, know, where, know if they have an agenda or not. And so you have to be involved to know that. Here's one of the best little secrets that we learned along the way that really helped us, and I think this can help you too. Kids don't talk when you ask them questions, do they? You're like, how was your day? They just kind of grunt, Ugh. That's it. You're like, okay, I don't know anything about their day, right? So here's a little line we use, and this will really help you, I promise. This is the question to ask. Give me your high and your low. Because in that one little question, you'll get a quick answer and know about their day. What was your high? Oh, well, you know, um, I, they served my favorite dessert at lunch. Great. That may be their high for the day. That's fine. Or, hey, I, I did pretty good on a quiz or something. What's your low? Oh, Mrs. So-and-so's mad at me because I didn't get this done or whatever. Oh, really? Or, you know, I had a friend and they're ticked off at me or I got in a fight with so-and-so or whatever. And that keeps you in their world. So that one little question can go a long way, but you have to choose to be involved. Guys, I mean, we're reading stories and, and seeing stuff online about how now some teachers, not all teachers, and I think this is definitely the, the minority still, praise God, but it's changing. There are some teachers and there's even school districts that have tried to pass rules that they can literally teach your child to be the opposite sex of what they are without having to tell you. That is mind-blowingly evil. It's unbelievable, okay? But let me just put it this way. Even if you disagree with me, Okay, the people who want to do that, I bet they would not be cool if I said, hey, all the Christian teachers, let's go secretly transition all the students into Christians and not tell their parents. They would flip out on us for that. So can we both agree, whatever your views are, that we should be involved and know what's going on with our kids. None of this lying to our children or lying to the parents. Like, we need to know. Parents, the state does not own your kids. You're their parent. And so I just want to challenge you to be involved. But let me, let me warn you, though, if you're going to be involved, you know something, parents. Good parenting means half of the time when your kids are teenagers, they won't like you. I just need to let you know right now. There's a common phrase that every teenage girl knows. I hate you. They all know it. You just got to know going in. That's part of it. Okay, I'm just, I'm just warning you now. That's just part of the deal. And so boys, too, can be that way. And so I just want to challenge you that, listen, when it comes to emotionally wanting your kids to love you, I want to tell you something, parents. If you need them, you can't lead them. 
If you need them emotionally, you can't lead them. And so they are not going to always agree with you. You are the parent. You are not their friend. When they're older, you can be their friend. Not now. Did you know that the prefrontal cortex in our minds do not completely develop till age 25 or 26? Which means your kids are probably a decade away, if they're in high school, from being able to process consequences. That's the consequence part of your brain. This is why we say to our kids, what were you thinking? And the answer is, they weren't. They only have half a brain right now. Like, I literally just give you scientific evidence that your kid only has half a brain. Turn around now and say, I knew it. I knew you only had half a brain. Pastor Bill confirmed it, okay? And so it's true that the, the prefrontal cortex is not fully developed yet. So you have to make decisions for them in certain areas or they will land in an area of consequence that they're not ready for. So you have to be in front of that and make some decisions for them. Get involved, know what's going on in their life. And here's a huge thing I wanna encourage you to do. Stop problems before they start. Stop problems before they start. This, guys, is leadership. Let me give you one of the biggest problems you're dealing with today. It's real simple, the cell phone. This is a huge problem. I think it's the biggest problem right now in our culture is that we have put a smartphone in children's hands that shouldn't have one, okay? So let me read some scripture on this. Philippians 4 says this. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there are any things that's excellent, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So that's what you should focus on. So basically nothing on TikTok. Okay. It says, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. So it says, hey, what you put in front of you will control the peace you have. In 2007, if you study this, in 2007 was when the first smartphones came out. Apple created the, smart, the first smartphones. Everyone was quick to follow, Samsung and everyone else. That year is the year that all of the bad stats went crazy. Depression, suicide, divorce, everything went through the roof when we were handed smartphones. You know why? There used to be an area of town you didn't want to go in and you didn't want your kids going there. We used to call it the red light district, right, in some cities. Now the red light district is in their hand. They can see and do anything on that phone. And that is very dangerous to do. Psalms 101 says this, I refuse to gaze on that which is vulgar. I despise what is evil and anything that moves my heart away from you. I will not let evil hold me in its grip. When I used to be in the youth ministry back in the 1800s, let me tell you something. <laughs> I used to do camps. I'd speak at different camps and go around you know, because I was young and cool. My kids don't believe that. They're like, you were young and cool. I was, I was the very definition of cool and you ruined me. <laughs> so you should travel and speak at these camps. And, and at the end of me doing a little speaking, whatever thing, they would break up in the groups. And sometimes I'd go around, just sit in the group, just so I can hear what the kids were dealing with to help me shape my messages. Like what are they, what's going on in their lives, right? I remember sitting down in this one group where I, I'm sitting there in this kid, and it's like, a, it's like junior high. They're all sixth, seventh, eighth grade boys. And the little boy that was talking, I just happened to sit down. He starts crying. He says, I keep looking at bad stuff on my dad's computer. And he said, I think I'm addicted. He's in sixth grade and he's dealing with addiction. I'll never forget. I just sat there and I was like, you've got to be kidding me. And this was the early stages of the internet. Now, how bad is it? I was shocked. They didn't have high speed internet at this point. I mean, this is like slow. This is like, yeah. 
Remember all that? They don't have that now, right? I mean, that's, we're way past that. It is crazy the access that we are giving our kids the things that they should not have access to. So here's what I want to encourage you to do. My wife came up with this idea. It's a great idea. We have a friend in Minnesota. Minnesota, that's how they talk there. He's from Minnesota. And uh, he created, he's a very creative pastor. He created, him and his team created something. You know, when you, when you give your kids the keys to the car, you don't give that to them until they what, have what? They have to have a driver's permit. Well, there is now such a thing as a cell phone permit that before you put a phone in your kid's hand, they have to take a test. They have to take a class and take a test on it. And some of you say, well, uh, it's too late. I've already done it. No, 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 no. Today, take their phone away from them. They're going to freak out and throw a fit and be like, oh, I can't live. It's okay. <laughs> They'll survive it, believe it or not. Take it away and say, you get it back when you take the class and pass the test. So today, here's what we've done. We, we're giving you a cell phone permit class to take. It is free of charge because we paid for it. This is a $150 value. We worked out a deal to give it to the entire church. So they were so nice to massive discount the price. You have access to it. Listen to me. I want you to hear me loud and clear. We don't just love your kids. We're giving you the tools to help your kids succeed. Okay. So after church in the atrium with all of our campuses and even online, you can get access to this. If you go into the text chat, I want to encourage you to go get your cell phone permit. It's a class you take. And listen, once a kid passes a class, give them the, give them the cell phone. If they mess up on their cell phone, take it away and say, go take the class again. You still have access to it. Go retake it. When you retake it, I'll give it back. And so it just creates some accountability for them. And that way they know how to handle the cell phone. For example, did you know that if a 14-year-old if a girl sends a nude picture of herself to her boyfriend in high school, then he happens to send it to a friend, which is very common, by the way. It's wrong, obviously, but it's common. Did you know the moment that that, that little boy sends that picture to a friend that he has committed a felony? He has broken state and federal laws, and the first offense is two to 10 years in jail. Do you know how common this is happening right now in schools? Second offense, up to 20 years. Third offense, 99 years. We probably had no idea that this would even be an issue, but it is. So we have to deal with this. I want to encourage you to get the cell phone permit for your kids. We love your children and we're putting our money where our mouth is. We want to get you the help that you need. Get that today. Please get that today. I want to encourage you to get that. So the third thing I want to encourage you to do, this is so funny. One time I was, um, I was preaching, this is years ago. We used to have these three girls in our band. They were the carry-on sisters. They're really talented. And this is what, now their mom's and married and all that. But this is when they were young and single, all three of them. They sang in the band all the time. But one time I go backstage, and they're real funny, and they're real drama. They're funny. They're hilarious, though. I go backstage, and Monica's back there talking to one of her sisters. And I just happen to hear Monica say, hey, you, don't, can't, you can't like him. He's in my man pool. And I was like, excuse me, what's a man pool? And she says, oh, Pastor Bill, sorry. You caught us talking, but... A man pool are all the guys that I like and all the guys I like can't be in the group that my sister likes. I was like, oh, I did not know that. So there's a man pool that you have and the man pool that she has. Anyways, they're now married. So hopefully they have no man pools now at this point, but <laughs> it cracks me up. But I love this concept. It's hilarious. But, but what this really hit me when I thought about this, I thought, you know what? We all need a pool of friends. Yeah. Parents, let me let you into something. You really can't choose your kids' friends as much as you want to. You probably tried and it didn't work, right? So rather than choosing your kids' friends because they want that autonomy, they want to do it on their own, instead make them, 
I didn't say ask them, make them go to youth group. And that's where they'll choose their friends. Pick any friend you want here out of the youth group. You see, I'm, see, I'm making that their pool. So I can tell my daughter, I'm like, I'm not picky on who you marry. You can marry any doctor. Any doctor's fine with me. I'm just, you know, whatever. <laughs> just kidding. The point is this though. You get to choose the pool that they're in. So if you bring them to church, bring them to youth group and say, you're going to youth group, whether you like it or not, they'll begrudgingly go first, but eventually they'll make friends in that group and that will be who they hang out with. So I did not know my parents were doing this when I was a kid, but that's what they did, took me to church. And they were like, you're going to youth group. And I was like, okay, I just walked in, I didn't know anybody. But that all became my close friends after that. That was, became who I, who I dated was in the youth group, who I hung out with was in the youth group. And so that really worked for me. And then I, I didn't realize this until I was older. I would ask my mom and dad, hey, can I go with so-and-so to hang out this and that? And they'd go, where are you gonna go? What time are you gonna be back? Where are you going? Who's gonna be there? And I'm just interrogating me. And then they would say, yeah, we're kind of busy. I don't think tonight's a good night for that. I was like, okay. Then I'd come back 10 minutes later. Hey, the youth are going to blah, blah, blah. Oh, you can go. Like, what just happened here? I didn't put it together that they were saying no, no, no to these friends and yes, yes, yes to these group friends. Make sense? Parents, we are literally spending hundreds of thousands of dollars to create an amazing place for your kids. Please take advantage of what we're doing for you. That's why we do it. It's a great place for them to meet somebody, eventually maybe even fall in love. They could go to Devo, get married from there. Devo's our college age group. And so anyways, it's, it, I'm telling you, it happens all the time. And by the way, if you're single, you are in the best man or woman pool there is, Church Unlimited. So I'm just telling you right now. Some of you are like, you gotta slow down when you clap so we can see if there's a ring finger. Just slow down. Can't read the face, can't read the finger, right? Church Unlimited, ring by Springer, your money back. That's how we roll. Found your man pool. All right. <laughs> choose your kid's friend pool and then let them choose their friends from that. Choose your kid's friend pool. Let them choose their friends from that. Oh, but uh, my kid doesn't like the youth group. Oh, I didn't ask if they like the youth group. Tell them they're going. Come on. Oh, do your kids like brushing their teeth at night? Oh, but you make them, don't you? Well, if I didn't pass it, their teeth would rot out. If you don't make your kid go to the youth group, by the time they're in college, their souls are going to be rotted out. So you better make them go. You tell them they're going, you tell them. And you tell them and they go. Every year we have kids crying and frustrated and complaining to their parents as they get on the bus to go to camp. Then they cry and complain that they have to come home from camp at the end of the week. So they go reluctantly, but then they fall in love with Jesus. And sometimes they fall in love with someone else too. And that's okay. If there's a place for it to happen, that's the place you want it to be. And so that's a good thing. So I want to encourage you to put them in the right pool of people. Look what the scripture says, Ecclesiastes 4. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. That's what's happened to our kids right now. They have no Christian friends and they mess up and there's no one there to warn them. No one there to stop them. No one there to say, whoa, 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 don't do this. And so they need that, those friendships. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. And I love this line. Three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. What's a triple braided cord? Me, my friend, and God. That's a triple braided cord that can't easily be broken. We need that. Scripture says in 1 Corinthians 15, you thought, you, you thought your mama just made this up, but she didn't. She got this from the Bible. Bad company corrupts good character. Did you know this in the Bible? 
In other words, I need to let you know something, parents, and this is a harsh truth, but it's the truth. Good or bad, this is the truth. Here it is. The peer group your kids are a part of determines everything. Let me say that again. The peer group your friends are in determines everything. Let me say it for you. The peer group you are in determines everything for you. You're like, man, all my friends are losers. I'm saying. You want to upgrade your life? Upgrade your friendships. That will upgrade your life. It really will. So choose your friends your kid's friend pool, and then they can choose their friends from that. And the last one I want to take a little more time on today. This one means so much to me because my father and mother did this for me. They, 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 they spoke a blessing over me. And then we took that same concept and did a little, went a little further with it. And I want to encourage you to go further than what we did. And so look at the scripture. I want to show you Genesis 27. There's a verse here. It's actually a whole story. I'm not going to unpack the whole story. I could, and I could spend all day on it, but I won't. But there's a story of a guy named Jacob and Esau, two brothers. Jacob was the younger brother. He schemed to get the older brother's blessing because it had an inheritance attached to it. But they both wanted the blessing. In the Jewish biblical tradition, um, the firstborn male would get the ranch or the farm and kind of be in charge and everyone else would work for them. That's kind of how that worked. So Jacob did not want to work for his brother. He's like, uh-uh, I want to be in charge. So he schemed to get uh, the blessing from his father. His father was old, decrepit. He was, he was partially blind. He, he could hardly see. And so, he, so he, he disguised himself like his brother. And he went in and he began to talk to his dad. His dad thought it was Esau, but it was actually Jacob. His dad put his right hand on him and gave him a blessing. Later, uh, Esau found out about it, was so mad at Jacob, it created this huge rift for years. That's a whole other story, but let me just say this. Look what Esau said. This shows you the power of a blessing. Genesis 27, 34. When Esau heard his father's words, he let out a loud and bitter cry. Oh, my father, what about me? Bless me too. Wow. Sometimes we get caught up in the stolen, the stolen blessing, but actually, why would someone want to steal the blessing unless it's incredibly valuable? Parents, we need to bless our children. How do you do that? I hate to break it to you, but in America, we think blessing our kids means stuff but that can actually hurt them. Blessing your kids means you speak over them greatness. You speak into them destiny and purpose. If you'll begin to do that, it will literally change their lives. Well, we kind of took it to another level. I read a book called Raising a Modern Day Night by a guy named Robert Lewis. He's a pastor retired now in Arkansas. In the book, he speaks that almost every culture but, but ours, but the Western cultures, almost every culture most tribes, most people groups, they have something called a rite of passage. This is considered the time when a boy becomes a man or a girl becomes a woman. Now here in America, what do we think the rite of passage is for a boy becoming a man? Having sex. Typically that's what we're told. I want to be a man. I'm going to have sex. And then for girls, I asked, I asked some girls this question. I want to know like, what is it? What do you think it is? And they said, well, for us, it's marriage. We think marriage is when you're a woman. So what I got from that pretty simply was that, that boys tend to have impulsive sexuality, thinking that makes them a man, and girls have impulsive commitment, thinking that makes them a woman. Well, this leads to a disaster, of course. And many of us have made mistakes in this area. So I want to encourage you instead to have a rite of passage. So we created a rite of passage for our kids. Proverbs 18.21 says this, words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit you choose. 
So we decided to do a, a rite of passage for each one of our kids that was a moment where we spoke into them in a, in a powerful way. My wife is really, I got, I got to give her major props because she helped design it and did the research on this. But there are four steps to a rite of passage. The first is a walk of wisdom. A test of bravery is the second one. A personal prayer of declaration and a physical change, like, like they would cut their skin, but obviously we didn't want CPS hauling us off. So instead of doing that, we cut their hair. We shaved their head, right? And so shave part of their hair. So, but I want to show you some pictures of the rite of passage that each of my boys had at 13, my daughter had at 16. Here's my son, Mason. That's pre-muscle Mason right there. <laughs> and you can see we, we took him to the beach. I had a bunch of men that are, that are kind of, I call it like a, like a fraternity of men that I trust in. And I had my, my, my father and my father-in-law, uh, my brother-in-law was there, a bunch of, bunch of men that are close to me personally. I had them all there. And we'd go on the wisdom walk and we had a big bonfire. And, and then they would, they'd each grab Mason one at a time and they would walk with Mason around this dune. And there was a, there was a bow and arrow set up and they would, they would share a piece of wisdom with them. And they'd get around the dune and they would fire the arrow together. And then they would come back and another person would do it. And I told the men, men, share anything you want. In fact, you can tell him a secret that he'll never even tell me. I'm okay with that. I trust you that much. Whatever you want to say. He told me later, he said, dad, you know what some of them told me? One of them told me about why, why his wife left him and how he messed it up and not to do those things. I was like, I'm glad you heard that, Mason. You're a man. Those are the kind of things men discuss or the kind of things men need to discuss, right? So there we are afterwards, we painted this face like warrior-like, you know, we made this very tribal feeling as well. Um, there's also, there's an there's a act of danger, a test of bravery. So his was, we had this hundred yard rope that went out into the water. This is in the middle of the night at the beach. And uh, it was scary to, to, to walk all the way out there. And on the other end of it, I said, I'm not gonna tell you what's on the other end, but you gotta bring it back. He didn't know if it was alive or dead or what it was. He was freaking out. And he was, well, I wish you could have saw, I can still picture my mind, all the men along the shore, as we were just going, you go Mason, you got this. And he would walk a little further, a little scared, walk a little further, but he was doing it. He got out there and when he got to the very end, there was an anchor on him because the anchor is the emblem for our family because we're anchored in Christ. And he brought that back. At the end of the night, it was so crazy. After all the men, we, we prayed over him, spoke words of encouragement to him. After all the men left, we were about to leave. Mason and I were grabbing the last few things and we get in the car and he says to me, Dad, I didn't know I was this loved. I said, oh, Mason, you have no idea. You have no idea how loved you are. It was killing my wife, by the way, because she, she helped plan it, but she was not there because she's not a man. He's <laughs> only men. Should have done it in 2023. We could have changed that. I mean, you could have <laughs> totally could have gone. Okay, that's another issue. Anyways. So basically, it was such a powerful moment. And then, you know, he said to me after that, we're about to drive away. He goes, hold on, hold, don't leave yet, Dad. I go, oh, I'm sorry, what? Did I miss something? He goes, no, Dad, I just don't want tonight to end. I'm telling you it was a moment. That was his. So then now, a few years later, Mason helped us plan. He was like, Dad, we need to take Cole's ride of passion to the next level. I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> let's go. So this is what we did for his. We have a very good friend that's in the, that was in special forces. So he had all this tactical gear and these tactical connections. So we went to this shooting ranch. Here's what happened. Let me show you the video of this. It was so much fun. We went all out with this. First of all, we hijacked him. We hijacked him and threw him in the back of a car. Oh, he loved it. He thought this was the coolest part. So they grabbed him. We did this with Mason too. We just grabbed him. It was so funny. Was it Cole or Mason that they grabbed the wrong one? Which one was it? 
they grabbed the wrong boy one time and Jessica ran out like, you took the wrong kid. <laughs> they came to run and threw the other one down and threw it. It was funny. It was the funniest thing ever. So then we take him and now we're, so now we're praying over him. I'm giving him instructions. That's a tactical uh, specialist with him that's helping shoot the guns. And look at this, look at how he's traveling. So we actually got a, a helicopter and he was actually doing live fire from that helicopter. That's real fire going on there. That's a specialist with him. Obviously we would only do that with that. Then that was a dangerous part. He had to jump in from a helicopter into the water after that. At this point, here we are. This is when I'm speaking over him and his life. Obviously, we all, we, all the men put the tribal stuff on. It was so much fun. We pray over him. We shave his head. It was a moving moment that I will never forget, and he will never forget the rest of his life. Then we did Sophie. We shaved her head. No, I'm kidding. We didn't do that. <laughs> the boys tried. She wouldn't let him. She was tough. We're like, no, 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 we're not going to do that. But at 16, we decided, let's do a little different. It's a little different for girls, you know. So Jessica had a great plan. We went to Montana for a little couple of family vac- vacation days and up in the mountains. And then Jessica planned this out to where basically, you guys cut to the, cut to the last picture first, if you would. I want to just back it up. So we, she starts off, this is her test of bravery. She has to go out on the water on her own in the middle of the night. This is scary for her. And we had these light up balls that she had to go get. And, on, and each of them had a clue what was next. And on the last one, when she got it, she had to come back to shore. And I'd go to the other pictures, if you would. And now she has to walk this, this path that the boys had pre-laid out with these, with these light-up lights all through the forest. It's very dark. There are bears. Uh, and so the boys were kind of hiding. She didn't know it to make sure she was safe. Uh, but she thought she was totally on her own. And then go to the last picture. Here, she figures out the spot. She digs something up and opens uh, the box. And we had an anchor ring for her that we gave her. Again, the family emblem. Then we went back. Isn't that cool? It was so great. I'm telling you. Then, then we went back and, and instead of doing a wisdom walk, what we did is we sat around the fire each night. I remember the first night it was Jessica and I, we shared our wisdom for her. Wisdom and warnings, things that, hey, just, you're going to face this, you're going to face that. And then the next night Mason did it and it was totally Mason's agenda. And the third night was Cole's agenda. And so, and we just poured into her all week. It was really a special thing. Let me tell you, my kids will never forget this. It's not about this one night, because you can do this all the time too. You always want to be encouraging kids. But listen, kids make mistakes and do dumb things because they're looking for approval and acceptance. Guess what? The place you get approval and acceptance first is in your own house. Give them approval, give them acceptance. If you'll do that, they don't have to make the same mistakes we made trying to find approval and acceptance. My prayer is that this inspires you to think creatively about what you can do for your kids or for your grandkids. Some of you are like, Pastor, my kid's 28 years old. Take them to dinner. Write a letter. Let them know what they mean to you. Pour into them. It's never too late to do the right thing. It's never too late to give your children approval and acceptance. Would you bow your heads with me, every head bowed, every eye closed, and we just take a moment to pray. Maybe you're sitting next to one of your children now. You can lean over, put your hand on their shoulder, and they'll know you're saying, I approve of you. I am thankful for you. Let them know that. Would you do that? You can protect your kids, but give them something to protect. Let them know what they mean to you, their purpose, their destiny, the greatness that God put in them. Share that with them because that's what you're protecting. You're protecting God's plan for their life. Every head bowed, every eye closed. God loved you so much. He sent his own son for you. He died on the cross for you. Jesus died and rose again, proving that he's God so that he could accept and approve of you. 
With your head bowed and your eyes closed, you can receive Jesus as your Lord and your Savior right now by praying this very simple prayer across all of our campuses, those online with us right now. You pray this prayer with us. You can just say this with me. You can just say, Dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died for my sin. And I believe you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart. Be my Lord and be my Savior. I repent of my sins. I put you in first place. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, no one's looking around. If you just gave your life to Christ, would you just hold your hand high right now? Praise God. Thank you. We see your hands all across the broadcast campus. Hold your hand high. Thank you. Hold your hand high, Portland. Come on. Padre Island. Praise God. Hold that hand high, Rockport. Thank you. Thank you, Stone Oak. Thank you, Rodfield. Let us know if you just gave your life to Christ. We see your hand all the way in the back there. Those of you who are online with us, you can let us know in the text chat. Just text my hands raised or click hand raised right now. We praise God for the decision you made to give your life to Christ. Father, thank you for those who just gave their life to Christ. Thank you, God, that you accept us and you approve of us. Father, we love you, Lord. Thank you, God, that we can protect our children. We can look out for them. We can build them up, be an example, and be involved in their life, God. Help us as parents not to be afraid to not always be liked, but instead to lead them well. Father, thank you for the honor it is to do the right thing with our families. Help us, God, to be strong. In your name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true.